family. Really great to see you this morning. Uh, how many of you are aware that in the last few days we've had an election in Britain? Anyone notice that on the news? Yeah, we have. And we don't have a government right now as a result. Uh, we have a hung parliament, which means that they're going to have to do some deals and they probably need to do that in the next 24 hours. And if they don't, then uh, the Queen has authority to step in to this situation and take some action. So uh, pray for our country. I'm kind of expecting Her Majesty to be calling me soon to uh, get a bit of counsel. You probably know me and Lizzie, we're real close. So, uh, Well, we're looking at an, an episode this weekend, not when people were asking for a Queen or a Prime Minister, but rather requesting a King. This is a, a junction moment as we continue this series at the junction in Israel's history when they demand a human king. And we're going to look at the faithfulness of God that was revealed in that episode. So First Samuel chapter 8 and the first nine verses. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. And then just a couple of verses from chapter 12 and verse 20. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. Uh, some of you know that I'm not great at listening to directions. It gets me into all kinds of trouble. I get lost, I stop and ask for help and direction and the person's telling me which way to go. But I, I get really bored with listening to them. And they're saying turn left, second right, third left. I think I'd just rather be lost right now. This is really, really quite boring. But I am getting better at listening to directions. I decided uh, to go and buy a gun. I've not had a gun, and uh, we've had a little rattlesnake issue, and someone told me that rattlesnakes don't like guns, and uh, so I went to my local sports store, and the guy serving behind the counter happened to be a Timberline guy, and he recognized me, and he said, Pastor Jeff, he said, I beg you, please do not buy a gun. Because if you do, someone will die. <laughs> and it won't be a snake. And he was so right. And I left the store having not bought the gun because I know that it would only lead to difficulties. 
And uh, I took the directions that he offered me. This is an episode where Samuel said, you don't need a king because God is your king, but they refused to listen. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations. This was shocking because God always called his people to be distinctive. The root of the word holy is distinctiveness, being different. And it was always God's intention that Israel be unique on the planet and he was to be their king. He wanted a people different. In fact, that's still true. That's true for us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To us, God says, be different. To Israel, God said, be different. And yet, they betrayed him. They rejected him. But in the face of all of that, God showed his incredible faithfulness, so much so that he was even, as we'll see, able to turn really bad decisions around and turn them into something good in what can only be described as an amazing Miracle. God is faithful. And so we're going to uh, consider this together. The first thing I want to say, if you're following in the bulletin, is that God is faithful in his patience and kindness towards us. He's faithful in his patience and kindness towards us. It's appropriate that I say that on Mother's Day. Mothers are patient with Children who, at the age of 17, have not cleaned their room since birth. They are, they are patient and God shows his faithfulness in the way he responds. Now listen to them, verse 9. But warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Now hold on right there. Israel is rebelling against God. Some of us have a notion of God whose finger is always trembling just above the smite button. Aha! They've been naughty. Let's nuke them. God didn't do that. It's remarkable. He says, he says, listen to them. Listen to them. That's because God is incredibly kind and patient and generous. How many are quite glad about that? Because that's his heart. He's, he's like a, a father with a, a child, a good father. He is generous and, and, and patient. Uh, I, some of you know that I'm a grandparent and I, I, I know I hear you cry. It cannot be possible. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I am a, a grandparent and I try not to make too much of that, but every now and again temptation just overwhelms me. And this is one of those moments. I, my grandson is 13 months old. His name is Stanley. He's cute. And I'm biased, but he's cute. And um, I, got this, I got this email this week. He's been trying to do some yard work, and he's as useless as his grandfather. And uh, I want you to watch this, because I want you to listen to his dad encouraging him. And there's a rather confused dog in the background. And, and by the way, in England, your trousers are your pants. Just to be clear, have a look. Stanley. <laughs> you know what I love is the fact that he's completely messing the whole thing up. But Daddy is saying, good try. <laughs> Perfect. 
The Labrador looks confused in the background. <laughs> Listen to God. Isaiah chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. We have got to know today that this God is magnificently patient and kind. It's his faithfulness. Secondly, we need to know that God is faithful in working out his will in our lives. Faithfully works out his will in our lives. Look at verse 20. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. In spite of their stubbornness and stupidity, God was letting them know that they could still have a future, that their mistake would not exclude them from the possibility of fulfilling the purposes of God in their lives. When I first became a Christian at the age of 17, I was terrified about this will of God stuff. Does anyone identify with this? I thought, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be consigned to uselessness for the rest of my life. If I just make one wrong turning. I mean, I was dating this girl called Kay, and I thought... God, is it your will that I marry Kay? Maybe there is a, an Estonian goat herd called Greswilda. <laughs> and, and you would like me to marry her. And if I don't marry Greswilda, then she's going to be swanning around with goats, or maybe it should be goading around with goats, for the rest of her life, and I'm going to be married to the wrong person. By the way, I no longer believe that there's only one person that you can marry. That is logically, philosophically, and theologically impossible. Because if that's true, then if you get married and then that person departs in terms of death, whatever, and you marry somebody else, then is that that God had a reserve on the bench waiting? <laughs> now, the Bible doesn't say there's only one person. And we can get paranoid about the will of God. I want to just say to you, if you're looking for God to direct you, will you please do two things? Number one, stop looking for the will of God. Quit that. You say, what? I don't believe he said that. Burn the heretic. <laughs> stop looking for the will of God and look for God. And when we look for God, we'll discover his will. He's not just a GPS system. He's not just a map. He's the faithful God and he's able to lead and direct us when we don't really understand what's going on. And the second thing is relax. Because some of us kind of have this permanent furrowed brow about the will of God. Just relax. Offer yourself to him. He is bigger than our ability to understand his direction. He's faithful in working out his will in our lives. Thirdly, God is faithful in that he utterly knows us and still loves us. He utterly knows us and still loves us. Tender words here in 22, verse 22. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. It was always God's plan that he be Israel's king. The language of Exodus 15, verse 18, the Lord will reign forever and ever, the language of covenant between God and his people, it was always his plan that he be their king. Yet, he knew what they would do. 
is prophesied back in Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us, be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses. So get this, it was God's plan that he be king. He knew that the people would reject him as king and he loved them anyway. You see, love is not romance. Love is knowing but still loving. Uh, I've been married to Kay for 32 years. She remains the kindest human being that I have ever met in my life. But our relationship has changed. I met her 35 years ago and I wrote letters to her and she has a big box of the letters that I have written and I can't stand it when she gets the box out and reads these things to me. It is appalling stuff. It is sick. I say, honey, quit that. I need a bucket. This is horrible. 32 years of marriage later, she understands that the cap of the toothpaste will not be replaced. Because you never know when you're going to need that tube of toothpaste again. Now she knows me. Now she can authentically say that she loves me because love is based on true knowledge. I need us to know today that God knows us utterly but still makes a declaration of absolute love. Knows us better than we know ourselves, knows us better than anybody, even the closest person can know us and yet he loves us. This is his faithfulness. So you might be sitting there thinking, great, If this is God, then let us sinneth our brains out. Because God is faithful, so let's just have a sin fest. No. Because the fourth thing is that God is faithful to tell us the truth about sin. The faithfulness of God cannot lead us towards a pattern of uh, entrenched sinful behaviour Look at verse 22. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. Notice the repetition of the word useless. It's the Hebrew word tohu, which appears in Genesis 1-2. It's a word to describe the chaos and the darkness before God spoke order into the chaos in the Genesis narrative. You know what God is saying to us? He is faithfully letting us know that sin is not beautiful. That sin is not good for us. It will create relational, emotional, spiritual, financial chaos. Darkness. Upheaval. And it might be that today, as we, one or two of us, maybe more battle sins and life-threatening addictions that we have been seduced into. It might be that we agree with God. Repentance is not just about saying sorry. Metanoia is the Greek word. It's a change of mind. But it's not just a change of mind about sin. It's bigger than that. We've narrowed repentance. Repentance is about embracing the kingdom agenda of Jesus and recognizing that what he says is true. And these, these people of Israel, they needed to hear that this 
sin could create chaos in their lives. And we need to hear that too. But there's something else that God does even beyond that. And that's this fifth thing. Before we get to this this point number five, you probably noticed that we have stop signs posted around the building with post-it notes on. This is not because the Fort Collins traffic department had a garage sale and we kind of thought they were cute, but we are going to use these stop signs. You'll see that there are hundreds of post-it notes. There's some at the front here at the sides in the South Auditorium too. You have them there. Uh, We've been using these as a, a way of responding to God specifically this weekend. I'll explain that in a moment, but I want you to know that, that is, that's coming up. The fifth thing, and this is remarkable to me, is that God is faithful in not only forgiving our sins, but in redeeming our bad choices. Sometimes redeeming our bad choices. Verse 24, Be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart, Consider what great things the Lord has done for you. Remember I said that God can take sometimes even our worst choices and turn them around into something good. That's exactly what he did here. Kingship, human kingship was a bad idea and yet God, the Redeemer, switched that around so that human kings became some of the greatest blessing that Israel experienced. So much so that the writer of Judges looks back and laments a time and talks about those days when there was no king in Israel. David and Solomon and other great kings. What's going on here? What's going on is that people made a bad choice and God turned that around and turned it into something good because that's what he's able to do. But he did more than that. Because out of that line of David, which remember began with a rebellious idea, (laughs) came another king. And his name is Jesus. Look at these words that might look like just a, a, a genealogy from Matthew 1. But look at these words. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Christ. David's name is right in there because out of this rebellious action, God turned that around, made kingship good in Israel and then turned it around and gave us Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. Because then Jesus takes a trial that was a judicial mockery, his own trial, and his the tragedy of a conspiracy and an execution, death on the cross. And what does he do? He turns it around and he makes that terrible thing the very agency of redemption for us. You know, that is the God that we serve. I am almost tempted towards excitement (laughs) because he is the Redeemer. And it might be that that we can, remember, we can remember a junction that we stood at. And we're going to, in a few moments, I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to, to go to these stop signs. And you're going to remember perhaps a junction that you stood at where you know you made the wrong choice. 
And perhaps you've repented of that, but actually we're going to ask God to do something beyond forgiving. We're writing these notes to him and we're saying, God, can you bring something good out of that somehow? Uh, It might be that you have been told that your existence on this planet was not planned and not wanted because of somebody else's wrong turning at a junction. And someone said to you, you were never wanted anyway and you have lived with that curse over your life. And I want you to know that the turnaround God can take even a bad turning at a junction and turn that around and bless your life beyond measure. And lift that curse of those words off of your day-to-day life. It might be that there's somebody that you're seeing at a junction right now and you know that they're about to make, they've already made or they're about to make a terrible wrong turn. And it could be that you're going to take a little walk to a stop sign in a moment and write their first name down because you're saying, God, the God of the turnaround, break into that situation. Eugene Peterson says, when we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and saves us. He's the saviour. He's the rescuer. He's the redeemer. And so, we're going to come to prayer together and then to response. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Our God, we thank you for your greatness. Great is your faithfulness. You're patient, you're kind, you're able to direct our paths when we stumble and try and figure out the way. You know us, you love us still. You tell us the truth about sin. We pray in these moments, Lord, that some of us hearing these words will agree with your verdict and ask for your grace that the chaos might be replaced by order. We ask you to speak into some lives here this weekend and say, let there be light so that it will be good. But now, Lord, as we come to this moment of stop signs where we... We perhaps remember a junction where we got it wrong. and We're asking you to redeem our foolishness. We're asking you to perhaps do that for somebody else that we love. We're saying to you that we accept your, your approval of us, even though others have spoken words of rejection to us. As we take these moments to respond, we ask you to dwell with us by your Spirit. And we agree together in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you, please, all of us, if you're able, would you stand with me, please? Let's all stand together. And I've already told you what it is that we're going to do. And when all of this is done, we're going to take these stop signs and we're going to put them in the prayer room for a week so that people can come by and pray over these notes that have been written. But I want to invite you, as Pastor Terry leads us in worship now, if you want to go to one of these stop signs at the front or the side and fill out a post-it note, just put a word or a sentence. Why don't you start to come right now? You don't have to wait for a song to start before you begin to come. 
just start to come out from wherever you are and take this moment as we worship and respond to uh, make this statement to God, the Redeemer, the one who turns things around. Let's worship and let's respond together. People's junctions in India where young girls are going to be prevented from being trafficked. And what happens in the next 180 seconds is going to affect lifetimes as we give. We thank you again for Clark and Jennifer's work. And as we give now, we pray that right turnings will be made in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that we take our seats for a few moments, please. Let's sit down. And we're going to go ahead, as we said, our rushes are coming. And we're going to give the entirety of this offering to this fantastic work in India. If you're writing a check, please write it to uh, Timberline Church. The whole of this offering will go directly to their work. Let's go ahead and begin to receive that offering, please. And uh, Pastor Terry is going to lead us again uh, in a song. And once you've given, if you want to stand, if you're able, then feel free to do that. Let's go ahead. Mm -hmm. 